So we're in the thick of August now. I believe the time that this episode's coming out is uh, August the 10th. So if you're in the office today, congratulations and welcome back to another school year. And for those of you who are just listening in or have been here a while, welcome to another episode of SIDcast. Uh, my name is David Gibson. I am your host, and I'll always be your host. But until next week, actually, I'll explain here in just a moment what is happening next week with hosting and, and as far as guests are concerned. So, anyway, this week's episode will be about Megan Harden. She was a collegiate basketball coach, women's basketball coach, uh, I believe for Howard Payne. I, I think I'll go back and edit that out if that's not right. But, uh, she compiled a pretty good record as an assistant coach and then decided that coaching wasn't going to be her forever job. And when she, uh, when she was looking to advance her degree as well as her husband was in the military, she basically, as for a practicum for the master's degree actually here at Indiana State when she was down in Texas, she had to, uh, like I said, complete that practicum. And basically she asked the sports information department if she could be a part of it and then just by the most definite terms of lucked into the business, that is how she did it, basically, through the uh, Southwestern University Sports Info Office, then people leaving, and then the, their staff person leaving about middle of the fall season, so she had to pick up on all these skills, and now she's uh, fully entrenched in COSIDA and the Health and Wellness Committee and like, I don't want to spoil the whole thing, but she'll get to it. So that is episode 34 of SID Cast. And if you haven't already, go ahead and uh, subscribe and like and review all that good happy stuff. And you can follow us on social media using backslash sports info cast. As we are on our way to 500 followers on both Twitter and Facebook. And also, guys, we're going to have some uh, Instagram takeover things. Hopefully within, I think by the end of September is is what we're negotiating right now. Uh, an Instagram takeover, so be sure to go over and follow at Sports Infocast as far as that is concerned to get some, you know, behind the scenes look at uh, people's offices and what they do. Basically, a day in the life of, you know, so and so. So, um, but uh, next week, and I told you I would have to get to this, and it's kind of weird for me to say, but Jason Hendricks messaged me a couple weeks ago and said, uh, "Hey, man, you do all." this stuff for everybody uh your episodes are looking pretty great how about you change it up and uh let me interview you and uh that's what we did so next week i will be on the pod i do have a special announcement uh when that comes on as far as sid cast related stuff my own professional career related stuff so that's a pretty big episode if you want to actually get to know me personally uh i'm just kind of the guy I, i just thought about this today behind the microphone you don't really know me i took down the intro episode so nobody really knows my story or anything. So it was a good idea, and I do thank you, Jason, for doing that. But um, as of right now, you can enjoy this episode of 34. And we will start with Megan Harden and her career choice and her switching from basically coaching basketball all the way to sports information right here on SIDcast. of a transition. I was coaching, got married. My husband was in the army, uh, did the military wife thing and just knew that I wanted to stay in higher education. Um, kind of knew that once I wanted to have kids, uh, coaching probably wasn't going to make me happy just being away from family and to be as successful as I really wanted to be as a coach, it was going to require being away from my family a lot. So Um, I kind of always knew in the back of my mind that coaching wasn't going to be a forever gig for me. When we got stationed at Fort Hood, moved down to um, Colleen, Texas, and got a job at Southwestern in the career services office. And while he was deployed, I worked on my master's and ended up uh, doing a practicum with the sports information office. Mm. It wasn't even a career I'd like given a lot of thought to. just knew that I loved um, college athletics and just wanted to see kind of what it was all about. So um, that was kind of the decision. If if I wasn't going to coach, what are my other options to kind of stay in in college athletics? So what was your kind of like forever job thing in the back of your mind? Like you said, you didn't think that, uh, excuse me, coaching basketball would be um, 
something you wanted to do forever. So what were, what were your first initial things that you kind of listed? Like, I can do this, this, and this. Um, I really wanted to do like event planning or um, some sort of marketing kind of stuff. And uh-huh. then, you know, Division three, you kind of get the joy of doing a little bit of everything, no matter if it's in your job description or not. Uh-huh. So. Um, it actually ended up working out pretty well that I do get to do some of that, you know, event planning with Hall of Fame banquets and um, things like that. Uh, so let's take back to the very beginning and don't really spare any detail. What was your collegiate experience like uh, just getting into coaching? We'll start with there first. And how did you learn about sports information when you first got to college in Iowa? Oh, man. Um I was one of those student athletes that just kind of um, blindly went through college. Like, I didn't think about how any of the stats got done or pictures got posted or anything got to the newspaper. I just, you know, it just all kind of magically happened. Uh And so the whole SID as a career wasn't even a thought that entered into my brain. I um, loved coaching at camps, um, helping with little kids. Um, I did that kind of stuff in the summer and did an internship helping with a, a basketball camp. So, and just loved the sport. And so staying, staying involved was really what I wanted and, and hoped to do and just got really, really fortunate to land a job down here in Texas. What about uh, Howard Payne? Describe your coaching career. Um, you just, uh, like I'm looking at your bio right now, it's a 104 and 32 is your record as an assistant coach. So explain kind of your life during that time uh, as you were a head coach or not a head coach, but a assistant basketball coach at Howard Payne. Um, well, in your young twenties, Brownwood, Texas, isn't really like the place that you picture yourself being at that time of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just kind of took a leap of faith and moved down there um, and just really fortunate to land in the situation I landed in. Um, The head coach was also from Iowa, had been really involved with Iowa State, who played a very similar system to what I played in college. So it was really easy for me to kind of pop in and start teaching our kids how to play that system. Um, But I I had a player who was four months younger than me. And so to kind of navigate that whole, like, uh-huh. You don't get too close to the line, but you don't know anybody else, and there's really nobody else your age in Brownwood. Um, kind of being a coach of people who are pretty much could be your peers uh, was really interesting. But we were super fortunate. We had um, kids who really bought into the system. They played their role, did what you asked them to do, um, recruiting-wise. I mean, I was gone every weekend mm-hmm. evaluating players, so that was, like, my time to get away, you know, go to tournaments in Austin and watch kids and things like that, um, so that was fun. Um, but, yeah, the, the American Southwest Conference that we were in, a brutal conference. I mean, so much talent. Um, Harden-Simmons was, like, a powerhouse back in those days, mm-hmm. and, um, for us to build up to where we were, which, and this still kills me, but um, I got married in 2006, so that was my last season, and in the 2006-2007 season, Howard Payne went undefeated, won the national title, and so, like, I could have had a ring. If you could have had it all. Proud. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two questions that kind of stem off of what, of what you just said there. Uh, what is the, the coaching job market like for those that don't know there are a couple SIDs that have you know dabbled into coaching before but as far as a, 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 a popular sport like basketball what is the coaching market like um I was so naive and dumb and just like oh I'll land somewhere like you know I know what I'm doing kind uh-huh. of thing like and then I remember getting into the office and there was a stack of resumes <laughs> over on the side and I was like oh what are all these from and it was like a massive stack and he's like oh those are all the people that applied for your position and I was just like oh my goodness so I mean it it was a lot about who you know and where you came from and kind of um I was fortunate that the head coach was from Iowa State and he knew that we played a similar system Mm -hmm. and I think that was 
the big reason why I got my lucky break. <laughs> and um, I, I know this is going to kind of apply to to other SIDs out there. I mean, we <clears throat> excuse me, we've talked about it uh, with last week uh, Josh Newhart, who said that he was an SID. Um, and it's kind of ironic, and I'll share this story in my episode next week. But um, he's going to be—he was an SID at Grace when he was a junior in college. So he even had SID or not SIDs, but uh, student athletes that were older than he was, and he had to navigate that line. And even when he had his own student staff, I mean, those, these were his friends that he had to lay down the law, lay down the law with. So um, how? And like you mentioned earlier you had to kind of walk a fine line. So where was that boundary that you had to have with the player that was, you know, four months younger than you? And how did you navigate that kind of gray area? Looking back on it, I um, I wish I would have handled it differently. I think I was so worried about crossing that line that I went as far away from it as possible. I just, like, completely put too much of a barrier between myself and the kids. And so... I didn't open up to them enough, I don't think, in order to um, really have, like, really deep, deep, deep relationships with some of those athletes that I feel like I could have. And it's kind of um, continued into SID life. You know, I, I hold, I think I keep too much of a distance. A, I think that they don't necessarily knew, know who I am <laughs> a lot of times. And uh-huh. so I just figure, like, oh, whatever, they don't really know me anyway. But it, it makes it hard for to find those stories that our student athletes are doing and, and them feeling like they can open up to me without, um, you know, me trying to judge them or any mm. of that stuff. So um, something that I'm, I'm always trying to work on. What are some uh, strategies that you're trying to work on? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll admit that I'm, I'm a little worried uh, when I get you know, out of college finally and then uh, when I get into there. So what are some strategies that you have implemented, you know, for yourself and for your life that you can kind of connect with those student athletes? Because like you said, it's important to find those stories, but you also have to have that trust and that relationship. So what are, what are some things that you have done? Uh, we're looking to take over SAC, which I think will be really helpful. Be Just getting to know those student athletes off the court and like not as they're like running from class to class. Uh-huh think will be nice it's always helped when I've had interns and work studies um, where they can um, you know be around me on a daily basis and kind of hear just my regular interactions with people a lot of times and I was this way as a coach too and my my parents always laughed at me but on game day like I you did not want to be around me on game day like (laughs) I was not a nice person I was super nervous and I had my routine and this is what I wanted to do. And I'm still kind of that way where, you know, I have my schedule. I want to get set up at a certain time and I want to get over to the officials and, and all that kind of stuff that um, I get really regimented. And so like just kind of either allotting for more time to have just like fun interactions with kids on game day when mm-hmm. they're there or after the game and that kind of stuff um, and not being keeping things so tight where, you know, I'm slamming to get things done. Don't talk to me right now. I'm so busy kind of thing. Okay. Okay. So I'm going back to, uh, kind of your professional experience, your job searching. And like you said, you kind of transitioned out of the coaching role, but, um, did you choose Southwestern as a place to complete your master's degree? Uh, I actually did it through Indiana state. Oh, okay. That's fine. I'm right over there. (laughs) So, um, um, yeah, go they ahead. had an awesome online program at the time and um, did held classes much like this where uh, our professor was on there and we were chatting. Um, part of the nice thing about that department was you had to be already involved in higher education in some way in order to be a part of that program. So huh. since I was working on the campus, mm-hmm. um, I got to be a part of it. And so learning from people all over the nation at all different offices doing all sorts of different things and having all these experiences was really, really beneficial and just helped me think of things in different ways and different perspectives on, on what happens and how to, how to handle things. So, um, I, I still never set foot on Indiana State's campus. That might I would be a like good to someday. <laughs> so when, you were kind of required to have that sort of practicum experience and then you chose sports information. 
and you're at this point you're you know years removed from your college experience so what was the conversation like uh, with the athletic department maybe even with the uh, former sports information department and when you said I- I'm doing my master's degree I have I have to do these sorts of things I mean what what was their thought and what did they say to you um I, I don't remember exactly but I'm pretty sure it was something like oh yes please <laughs> um, at the time you know he was he was the only only person doing any sports information at Southwestern so I think back then they had 15 sports so not quite as many as we have now but mm-hmm. um, you know there's always more that can be done and we all have um, kind of a list of things that we'd like to get to but you can't always based on uh, just the requirements of what's going on. So so when I spoke to him originally, he was like, yeah, that would be awesome. Let's do it. And then he actually left um, in mid-August and took another SID job. Okay. So um, when I say I dumb lucked into this profession, it's pretty much how I say um, that's exactly what happened. Okay. I, uh, the AD and the assistant AD at the time knew that I was, signed up for this practicum and they were like, Megan, I know you have no idea what you're doing, but if you could figure it out, that would be great. And I was like, okay, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give it a good college try. <laughs> so what were your first uh, initial thoughts and what, what, okay, let me ask you this real fast. Let me backtrack a little bit. Okay. Um, you sat down at your desk for the first time, you know, just <laughs> after that, what was the first thing you told yourself that had to get done? Um, Fortunately, they hired a recent graduate from Trinity, which was just down the road, to handle the statistical side of things. Okay. So he took care of stat crew and that stuff. So um, figuring out the website was kind of the first thing, Um, how to function the back end, how to even post a story, how to do any of that stuff. And then a big part of what I did was kind of the... um, game day programs, rosters, that kind of stuff. Um, so just making sure that everything was accurate and where it needed to be. Unfortunately, the statistical guy they hired um, only made it to about um, mid-October. Okay. And so they were like, okay, really, we need you to figure out the rest of it. And so I had to teach myself how to do stat crew, how to run reports, learned by making a lot of mistakes on you know not having directories set up and so I was overriding the men's season basketball stats with the women's season basketball stats and not understanding why when I was uploading it to the website the women's team was showing and so the men's it was a it was a whole mess but um, definitely was stressful but somehow made it through it and uh, still here so what were some uh, resources or some, you know, people that you asked that you kind of exhausted when trying to learn, you know, stat crew on the fly, like right in the middle of the season? I was like in the little manual all the time. Um, Monica at stat crew, I had her, I contacted her constantly. And then the other SIDs in our conference were amazing. I mean, super patient uh-huh. and, um, you know, I could just call some of them up, um, Dave Reed at Colorado College, Justin Parker at Trinity. I mean, some of these people that have been been at their respective positions for a really long time, just being like, I don't understand what I'm doing. Please help me out. So they, they were all awesome. And I think that was like kind of going back to coaching. The biggest adjustment for me is like, you don't really want to help other coaches necessarily, especially within your conference, because mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to teach them that set play that you ran and and Uh tell them how to do it against you next year. Um, To go into a profession that everybody just wants to help each other out no matter what. You know, they'll drop anything to um, Tim Clark down at TLU came up and um, did volleyball stats for us when we hosted the NCAA regional in 2009. And that was, um, I think, the the first year that I had been hired on full time, um, it was like four months later. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, I gotcha. So, um, yeah, it's been really, really nice to be in such a supportive, supportive group of people. So like, 
like you said, it's it's really supportive. That's one thing that I really like about about everybody in this profession is that everybody's here to help everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. nobody's here. Nobody's like you said. I can under, I can understand the coaching thing. Like I'm not going to help out another coach. Like that's just <laughs> I'm completely I'm completely with you. I, when I first started, I wanted to be a cross country and track coach, and I always told okay. myself that if I if I was going to be you know really successful, I'm not going to help out other people. They're not going to yeah. beat me. So, but anyway, that's beside the point. But um, what was it like stepping, you know, from a profession that, like you said, didn't really want to help anybody uh, to this kind of fraternity sorority thing and especially getting, and we'll get, you know, later into this with Cosida. It took a lot longer than I anticipated to like really trust and continuously reach out to people. I think um, especially getting into it, I was... Um, insecure about like not knowing what I was doing and but yet didn't want people to know necessarily that I didn't know what I was doing right and so trying to you know make it look like oh I got everything under control it's totally fine to just being like I cannot figure out why this isn't working (laughs) somebody please help me and and just being um willing to kind of put yourself out there and just say um I know this seems like a really trivial thing to some people, but mm-hmm. I can't make it work. <laughs> Somebody help. <laughs> when you first heard about Cosida, uh, what did you think of it? And did you uh, immediately think, you know, I have to be involved? Um, no, I think initially it was um, my administration at the time was like, you, you just need to be a member of this so that we can get our student athletes awards. Um, <laughs> that was kind of the initial thing. Okay. Um, It wasn't really until my first convention, which was in, um, I think it was in St. Louis, was the very first one I went to, um, that I really got what this organization was all about. So many people, when I was there that first time, and and at all levels, from Division I, Division III, um, just took me under their wing, and they were like, let me introduce you to people. Let me, you have to go and meet so-and-so. They're going to be an awesome resource for you for um, social media stuff or whatever. Um, so it wasn't until actually being at convention that I really got what this organization could offer. And then, um, just from being there and and being around those people, I was like, I've got to be involved somehow. So came home, emailed Barb and was just like, dial me in, like (laughs) somehow get me involved. What do you want me to do? I'm willing to do anything. What, where's the best place for me? Mm-hmm. So, and where was, where, where did she say, where'd she recommend you for? So they put me in the Goodwill and Wellness Committee, which um, was still relatively new at the time. Sam Atkinson was working really hard um, along with Ryan Klinkner to kind of really get this new initiative go- going. And I didn't really know anything about it and was kind of like, oh, okay, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll just see what kind of comes of this and have been really fortunate to be in that group with a lot of young professionals who, um, are passionate about, um, volunteering about helping people get fit or be healthier and which are, you know, two things in this profession that I think are really, really important um, to kind of get that message out and has kind of been, I don't want to say neglected, but mm-hmm. um, not really a point of emphasis until, you know, not too long ago. So what, what is it? Uh, I may have to rephrase this here, but uh, being a part of the COSIDA Goodwill and Wellness Committee, I mean, how do people get involved? How do you guys, you know, keep track of uh, the service hours? How, you know, do you emphasize the importance of exercise? Cause I, I'm completely with you. Um, that's a, trend a discussion of i've been seeing a lot in the past couple years so um what how do people get involved and and how can they just you know live healthier more active lives absolutely so um volunteer 15 is kind of our initiative where we want to encourage every sid to do 15 hours of volunteer work um and it can be anything it can be donating blood or um, driving to help out a fellow SID. Um, it could be making meals to give, send to someone who, um, just had a baby. I mean, we all do these little things throughout our regular life, um, and don't necessarily think of them as necessarily volunteer because they're not in a really within an organization or, or those kind of things. But, uh, we all do them as part of our life. So this was just an opportunity to recognize the impact that we have 
even outside of our profession. Um, last year, we started an online form that um, people can just go on to COSIDA, hit the link, and fill out however many hours that they've done. Um, I was really bad about like forgetting to log something, and so the online form was nice because I could just go in right after I did it, plug it in, um, and it was right there. Um, it's also given us a good opportunity to kind of look through and see what kind of um, interesting volunteer opportunities people are doing and what they're getting involved in. And um, it's amazing to see the impact that our organization has on the community that it surrounds. Um, some really, really inspiring people in there that um, with the hours that we put in in this profession that um, they're able to go and log the amount of hours that they do um, in their community is, is really, really impressive. So. It's really nice to be able to recognize uh, that impact. Um, the health and wellness side, we all know it's so easy to just kind of get stuck at your desk mm -hmm. <laughs> all day for day after day, especially in those crossover seasons. So just finding a way to uh, help people find a new way to get involved. But sometimes, you know, people, I think the thing we talked about at convention in our meeting was, People just don't know how to get started, and they think they have to change everything about their current life right. in order to make a difference, and we really want to get that message out that, like, just change one little thing at a time. Do one little thing, um, you know, get up and go for a 30-minute walk over lunch and do that for a month, and then change, you know, something about how you're eating or whatever. It doesn't have to be, like, this monumental shift that I think everybody um, things that needs to be to just be healthier and yeah that's uh that's something that i i know i've noticed too that's when people talk about that sort of thing with me they're like i don't want to have to <laughs> you know completely change my diet well you don't have to and like you said it's just yeah. uh, it's just little itty bitty starting points that'll and those little tiny things will eventually mound up into something and Hopefully, uh, you'll be able to lead a healthier life. But um, anyway, I'd like to get back to uh, some of the things that you do for Southwestern. Redesigning a logo. How did you guys go through that process? Okay, hang on. Wait, don't don't answer that yet. I'm okay. curious. I have to know. Why in Georgetown, Texas, are you guys called the Pirates? Um, okay, so it actually goes way back to, um, I forget the year, but it's in our annuals. Um, the, some of the athletes went and stole or pirated women out of the dorm room for this, uh, um, some, uh -huh. I don't know if it was a fraternity or they won a big game. I don't remember exactly what it was, but that's, I mean, back in the early 1900s, that's, that's kind of where it started. Okay. okay. Um, and it's just lived on ever since. Yeah. Those are one things that, uh, newspapers probably influenced, uh, your your school name. I know that Oregon used to, gosh, what was it? Used to be called the Ducks, or used to be called the Webfoots, and then some newspaper. Oh, really? Yeah, they, that's the uh, the throwback that they have. That's like the blue and then the yellow uh, helmet and things. That that's where they're, the Webfoots, and then the newspaper changed it. So that's probably one of those things you think. But um, going back to my original question before I cut you off there, uh, redesigning a logo. What was the process like? I mean, how many? Did, how did you involve the university? How did you involve alumni? I mean, how was that entire, you know, sphere handled? Um, it, so this is actually only the second athletic logo Southwestern has ever had. The one before was done by an alum and okay. had, it didn't have a whole lot of options. It was just kind of a flag and they kind of ended up being a flag because people didn't want it to seem like violent and mm -hmm. we had male and female athletes, so it couldn't be like a traditional, you know, male pirate necessarily either. And okay. so our assistant AD at the time kind of decided um, it was time for a refresh look and um, coaches really wanted more options for uniforms and things like that. Right. So um, fortunately, we had a um, graphic designer um, who had come from Baylor Go, go on staff in our um, Marcom department. And so he really came up with some options, put some things together, um, and then the assistant AD and myself kind of made little tweaks to it. But the, the main idea was really his to begin with. And um, we just kind of went from there. 
So when designing a logo, and like like you kind of mentioned earlier, you kind of do it all when you're at a small college like that. So how did you guys kind of communicate that with how the SU and the source crossing, it's literally right behind you, I'm looking at yeah. it. Um, how did that uh, represent your university or maybe even represent your student athletes? I mean, did you guys, you know, talk to student athletes? Did you talk to alumni? I mean, how did you guys kind of get we that We really fit? didn't involve a ton of people until it got, um, we kind of put it together, um, got, got roughly to this point mm-hmm. and then showed people and, and got a little bit of feedback, but most of it was, um, they liked it a lot. The one that's behind me has really kind of become our primary mark, but okay. it isn't like what was supposed to originally be the primary one. It was one with a flag, which we do still have and some people use, but um, I think this being really square and fit a lot of space, and yet it was um, it's easily identifiable. Um, a lot of people have really gravitated toward it, towards it and prefer this, and so it's kind of, we didn't necessarily go to individuals and say, you know, give us feedback, which do you prefer? They've kind of shown us through um, mm-hmm. their engagement with the logos and the options that we have, that this is really the one that they prefer. So um, it's it's become our, our primary and really the um, identity um, that we're trying to brand really hard now. You kind of mentioned uh, uniform options. We haven't really talked about this a whole lot on any of the, the previous shows, but um, and like you said, your coaches wanted more variety and more, you know, things to do as far as colors, maybe even logos and things like that. So how much did of that did you guys keep in mind when, you know, tweaking this logo a little bit? Did you did you even maybe yourself have some uh, uniform options in mind? Yeah, we um, the challenge we've always had is Southwestern is so long that like putting that on a uniform. Right. Um, isn't really an option. So they used to like like way back in the day, they would have um, S apostrophe Western <laughs> and everybody hates that. And so trying to think of like, all right, if, you know, what would go on a jersey? What would um, look good on a helmet? Um, And those kind of, you know, you try to envision what's going to kind of pop and yet be simple enough that from a distance you can identify it. Right. um, Which is always kind of the challenge, I think, with with any any sports team any anywhere that your fans are so sitting so far away but you want them to be able to see and and know who's who basically when you're out there on the on the field or wherever you're competing what about um and we kind of touched on this with Aaron Saygraves as far as when he was at Davenport but um Southwestern kind of grew as far as sports are concerned they had a little bit more uh programs come in even including football coming back after a 60 plus year hiatus how did you yeah. guys uh communicate that with uh Georgetown I mean was it received well was how and just you know tell it all right there um yeah we have we've grown a lot since I've been here shortly after I started we added softball which was the first one to come in um, and then I believe it was that first year they, um, won a conference title. So <laughs> it was like, um, well, that was a good decision. <laughs> it's a good one to bring in. So they were the first one. And then, um, men's lacrosse followed, which we were the first, uh, college team in the state of Texas, right. um, to a- add men's lacrosse, which I knew absolutely nothing about. I'd never even seen a single game in my life. And so uh, fortunately, they let me travel to North Carolina and, and watch some games, sit in the bus box and kind of listen to how to do stats and things like that. Um, and it's really become one of my favorite sports here. Um, men's lacrosse, is it's exciting. Um, it's really become one of my favorites. So um and then after that, um, football and women's lacrosse came. It still shocks people that um, us being a college in the state of Texas, we didn't have have long. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been um, it's been a great addition. A lot of people were really nervous about you know kind of that stigma that goes up football. Uh-huh. You know we're a, a very 
academically rigorous institution and those two that with football doesn't always <laughs> people don't put two into those two things together very mm-hmm. often um so there were a lot of skeptics on campus and off campus both but um i think with uh coach austin he's done an awesome job with uh recruiting the right kind of student athletes here they are engaged they're involved in their community they're good students he, he really makes sure that they understand what it means to come to Southwestern and be a student um, and how important that is. And it's also brought a new sense of spirit to campus. Um, you know, rallying around a team at home on five in the year, there's just something about being at that football field with a large group of um fans and students that uh, you just can't replicate anywhere else. So um, it's it's been really, really fun. They had a phenomenal season last year, uh, won the conference championship after um, in just their fourth season. And then now we're going to the, the American Southwest Conference, which will provide its own sets of challenges, including facing the um, defending national champion at Division Three. So... Uh-huh. Really interesting year. Yeah. So, um, like you kind of mentioned earlier, when you had to figure out lacrosse, and that's one of my favorite sports too. So, you had to familiarize yourself with not only softball but men's lacrosse, which one is difficult to stat, to women's <laughs> lacrosse, which is completely different than men's lacrosse. Oh, yeah. And then you had to familiarize yourself with football. So, how you know statistically, media coverage, you know, any other sort of coverage you do in your department, you know, how did you do that? Um, well, softball, I was fortunate. I played a year of softball in college. Okay. I grew up playing softball, so um, I, I felt pretty good about that um, until they added all the flex option stuff, and then that kind of blew everything up with softball. But uh-huh. um, for lacrosse, the coach that we hired, we went and we watched a lot of film and then um, went to uh, Guilford and, and Dave Wester up there really just watching a game and listening to what was going on after watching film uh, really kind of helped everything click together with um, men's lacrosse. And then they had given me the heads up that women's lacrosse was coming. And so I went down to Queens um, in North Carolina and did the same thing there. And um, yeah, they're drastically different games. And the fact that they're called the same sport, I think is, is pretty funny, but yeah, I just, um, that people were, again, like we've talked about earlier, willing to help out and let me come up and kind of crash their lacrosse party for a little bit and um, show me the right way to do things was, was priceless. Okay, so we're going to transition to this part of the interview where I like to ask fun questions and everybody, right. so f- favorite memory from your professional tenure, and it can either be basketball coaching or it can be oh. SID related. Favorite memory? Um, oh, that's a good one. Um, the one that comes to mind from since I've been at Southwestern is uh, we hosted our men's soccer championship. Man, it was probably like six years ago now. Um, we had a, a really good team, um, but Trinity University being in our conference, they're like a national powerhouse, always, always ranked. But we made it to the Uh, conference championship and our goalkeeper just had the game of his life we still lost but um only lost uh 1-0 he saved a penalty kick I mean it was he was absolutely phenomenal that game and so just to kind of sit there and watch a group of athletes give their absolute best um it was it was awesome it was really fun to be part of and and just watch those students kind of give their all, and, and they were so close. Oh, so, close. <laughs> so painful. Uh, I know, so yeah. painful and yet so great at the same time, which I guess is sports. But <laughs> So um, what about on the other side? What about your biggest horror story? Um, <laughs> it was, um, man, and this has happened, um, I think it was the year before, the year after, we hosted women's lacrosse or women's soccer championship. Had the programs done, went and picked them up, and I don't even remember exactly what was wrong with them, uh-huh. but I remember sitting 
on the concrete with all these programs laid around me and like picking the staples out so I could put like corrected papers in and just that panic of like, uh -huh. it's so close and this is so important and these are so screwed up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have time to like go get them redone. But yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when you look around, uh, maybe even the country, maybe conference, division, whatever, and you say to yourself, that is a good SID. What are some things that they do or maybe some characteristics that they have that make you say that? I think being able to anticipate what's coming is really, really helpful. Um, the ones that um, can plan ahead and say, hey, I know we're coming to you in a week or so. Here's all my rosters and information or vice versa. I know that you're coming out to us. Here's live stats links. And especially if they're hosting a neutral site game uh -huh. saying, you know, we're going to, we're going to cover you. It's fine. We're also going to have live stats or video or whatever else going on. Um, just to know some of that stuff ahead of time. So I can kind of check it off in my mind and know I don't have to worry about it. Um, I think those are the things that I appreciate most. It's like that planning ahead and kind of anticipating what questions um, mm. they might might receive with us being there. So um, what would uh, one piece of advice be that you would give to a student going into this profession? Um, man, ask questions. <laughs> um, and don't be afraid to um, ask to follow somebody. I think um, I still feel like I'm learning in this profession. It's been, I think I'm entering my ninth year, so I am still really pretty new. And every time that I go and um, I traveled with our men's lacrosse team this year out to Colorado College and just seeing how they do things there was super helpful and, and brought back some ideas of how we can do things better here. I'm really visual, like being out there and ex really experiencing how somebody else does things is the easiest way for me to kind of visualize how I can bring that back to what we're doing. So okay. if you're fortunate enough to be in a situation where you can travel with some of your teams and really see how somebody else does it on their end, um, I would go for it. Okay. So uh, what's one thing you're interested more to learn about in this profession? Um, right now, I think it's... Um, video, whether it be editing or um, I've, the best, most economic way to stream with score overlays and have multiple cameras, um, but in a tight space, we, you know, as a lot of people I'm sure can understand and are in a similar situation, we don't always have a ton of space to be able to have like a TriCaster and um, lots of cameras and wires and plugs. Uh, we just don't have that set up here. So finding ways to, um, for our fans, they don't know that it's kind of a piece together kind of broadcast, but uh -huh. that they still uh, get all the information they need and feel like we're kind of stepping up our game a little bit from what we've been doing. Um, that's, that's probably what I'm most focused on this year. Okay. So what about, I know we kind of touched on the work-life, Thing earlier but uh what's your work-life balance what do you do to have fun um so i right now i'm training for a triathlon um i'm doing uh earned a spot to be able to compete in the usa triathlon nationals in a couple weeks Actually, congratulations thanks in 11 days, oh. 10 days 10 days something like that so <laughs> um i'm gonna be going up to omaha um next weekend to compete in that and then I'm doing a uh, half Ironman at the end of September so I'm fortunate that our administration is really supportive and and really encourages um, kind of weekends to be able to get away and do things and they're like yeah hire somebody to cover that soccer doubleheader or whatever uh -huh. you know they they understand the hours that we put in and that um, it's just as important for me to be able to do kind of compete on my own end um, while covering um, who's competing here. So, well, I don't know how to follow that up. Uh, yeah. why, why, why did you pick a triathlon? I, I grew up swimming. 
Okay. And have always loved riding bikes, although more on just the like cruising around town kind of thing. <laughs> um, and I hate running. I hate running, but it's the most like time efficient way to get a workout in and um, way to still compete in things. And um, since I wasn't very good at it, I decided, well, I'm just going to challenge myself and do a um, half marathon and did that and then just did some other races. And um, Austin's been great in terms of we're 30 minutes north of Austin. So Mm -hmm. they have no shortage of races. And uh, my brother actually wanted to do a a couple's triathlon. We were in the sibling division. And uh, so that was the first triathlon I did was with my brother, which was, which was fun. And then, um, my husband decided he was tired of standing on the sidelines and watching me compete. And so we both joined the triathlon club in town, which has been a, a godsend and um, super fun group of people, really supportive, all levels, compete at a lot of different things. And so you always have a support system there to cheer you on and just kind of been finding new ways to challenge myself. Okay. All right. Still don't know how to do it, but I'm going to move on anyway. So. How do you explain what you do to your kids? Um, man, they probably have a better idea of what I do than like my parents do. Okay. Um, they are up here in the office um, all the time and want to come to games. My son actually, I took a video of it. He he loves, he's four. He loves pushing buttons. And so we are at a women's lacrosse game and I forget what happened, but like my husband couldn't watch him and my parents couldn't help. And so he came to the game with me and I was telling him like what to type in. And he was like, so he was statting the game for me while he was sitting in my lap up in the press box. Um, so I think, I feel like they have a, a pretty good idea uh, just cause they're around it so much. But um, if I am trying to explain to just somebody on the street, I usually say that um, I do stats at our sporting events and maintain our website and social media presence, and then that seems to like satisfy them. Okay. So. <laughs> Even though there's probably so much more than that, but you oh, know, there's always so much more. Yeah, but there's so, only that, so that much. Duties as a sign is yeah. always that that kicker. Yeah, there's only <laughs> so much people can understand though, so you got to pick one or two things at a time. Yeah. I just change it up every time, even if it's <laughs> the same person that asks me over and over and over again. I just change it. Every single time, just to mess with them, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I might need to start doing that. Yeah, so next next time someone's in Georgetown, I mean, you can loop in Austin with this if you wanted, but next time someone's in that area, um, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Uh, we actually have a brewery in Georgetown. Um, it's called Wrench, and it's awesome. And they um, recently redid like their outside patio things, so they have... Um, it's a, it's a great space, really laid back, low key. Um, downtown Georgetown is just awesome. They have music on the square, um, every Friday night in the summer that you can just put down a lawn chair and listen to some music, have a glass of wine or a beer from one of the local vendors. Um, there's no shortage of of things to do in Georgetown. Um, a new, new bar just opened up on downtown, um, Mesquite Creek outfitters um highly highly recommend that to everybody they have some really good local beers on tap um good food they bring in food trucks um lots to do in georgetown that we honestly don't even go into austin very often (laughs) (laughs) that's fine so um if anybody had any questions or maybe want to follow up you know with anything that you may have said during this interview and maybe just wanted to reach out to you um what would be the best way to do it um they can Always contact me. Uh, email is always a great way to get a hold of me. Hardenm at southwestern.edu. Um, and then um, my cell phone number is on there. Or you can catch me on Facebook or Twitter. Or, um, you'll see lots of pictures of my kids if you if you find me on there. But <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So, again, thank you for coming on very much. I, I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for asking me. This was fantastic. Ain't no problem. It wasn't too 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 difficult, was it? No, it was great. Okay, awesome. So I'm glad that you came on. And again, thank you everyone for uh, downloading and subscribing to this podcast. This is SIDcast. And um, if you haven't already, and I highly encourage it because, you know, 
if you've been here since the beginning, you know what I'm about to say. I need you to go into iTunes and go to SIDcast or go Bigcast, our new show, one of the two, and uh, hit the little stars thing. That's the rating and reviewing. That is very important. Um, haven't checked it lately, but uh, as of a couple of weeks ago, we were still at a five-star average rating. Very proud of that. So um, thank you to the uh, people who have done that and gotten that average. And if you just want to leave a review, I mean, it just takes a second. It's just, you know, one sentence. Um, I should do something for the people that have actually reviewed on there. Uh, I promise to do something special now that I think about it. Um, so you guys should definitely hold me to it. Um, one of you I know is actually in Austin. So uh, thank you very much for, for doing that. But um, And again, if you haven't already, follow the show at Sports InfoCast uh, on Twitter and on Facebook. And then we're still on our pursuit to 500 followers on both platforms there. Um, and if you're still interested and you, and you want a little bit more out, out of these uh, interviews, we do have another show that's specific well, not real specific. I don't know why I keep saying that. It's not really specific, but we do have on athletic marketers, external relations, uh, content providers over um, at our new show, Go Big Cast, SID Cast, Little Brother. We just had Russell Hufftailing uh, from Oregon State on. And um, as of this week for this episode, Megan, there's uh, uh, Brad Worthman from Virginia Tech uh, came on that pod. So uh, be sure to go on the lookout for that as we're continuing to grow that audience. Um, and if you want to be on the show or know somebody who should, you want to nominate somebody, you can always email me at sportsinfocast at gmail.com. And then this part, uh, it's a little weird for me to say, but, um, Jason Hendricks messaged me a couple weeks ago, uh, asking, you know, you do such great work for these people. You know, why don't you let me interview you? So, guys, I'm coming on the pod uh, as of next week, August 17th. Ironically, that is my 22nd birthday. So, um, yeah. Happy early birthday. <laughs> hey, thanks. And then um, I'll be on there, and we'll we'll chat about. I have no idea what we're going to talk about. I'm kind of I'm kind of nervous about it, really. But um, yeah, thank you all. Thank you all for listening, and we hope to catch you all in the next episode.